0: Welcome to the Naturally Curious podcast with Tani Stowe, where you will be invited to expand your mind to be curious about all things mind, body, and soul. Your host, Tani, is a born adventurer, a woman of Métis heritage, and trained as a medical intuitive, Reiki master, and yoga instructor. And now, your host, Tani. Mm, It's October 27th, and I have my little cast iron incense cauldron burning with the sweet smells of hand blended and incense from a dear light worker, Happy Rock Holistics. I'm sipping on turmeric chai tea from the New New Age, a beautiful, ethical, sustainable farm. The tea is called The Witch Doctor. And I have a beautiful hydrosol, a spiritual cleansing spray from Senses of the Soul full of white sage and black obsidian. And you know, for breakfast, I even had roasted marshmallow flavored ketones. Even the products I use to keep healthy have seemingly got a theme that ties well into this particular time of year. We are talking about summer's end. Summer's end is also known as Sao Wen. It's spelt Sam Hain and pronounced Sao Wen. It's interesting that it happens to coincide with Halloween. Now, some of the things that might come up today might be land well with your personal beliefs and they may not so you can try to pull out what resonates for you listen to this from um, perhaps a historical context filling in some gaps and anything that doesn't resonate just feel free to pick it up and toss it in the waste basket. this is my exploration of world religions of world beliefs and also a deep need within myself to connect to the rhythms of the earth which is sometimes also called the wheel of the year And so Halloween is a folk holiday. It's a folk holiday celebrated by many in North America, predominantly North America only. And it does coincide with the turning of the seasons or the turning of the wheel known as Samhain because they overlap. And there's some historical findings that potentially connect the dots between Where there might be some overlap and and how they interact. However, the commonality is without a death, without a death, without a doubt centered around death. It means that both Sawan and Halloween have this emphasis on the dead. However, Halloween is mostly about our creativity. It's about how creative we can be expressing fear of death or even death itself or the underworlds in movies like Hollywood. It's creativity in our costumes and in our candy and our gifts. Now in Samhain, it's more about celebrating death in a different context. It's this idea that everything must die for it to be reborn and that everything is a constant cycle of birth, death and rebirth. And it's also that death of the harvest. It's really now the final, final, final harvest. We've hit that point where we've pretty well pulled everything in from the fields. We've hit that point where there's just about nothing left and if there's anything left, it's for the animals or um, for the earth itself or depending on your beliefs, perhaps for the fairies. The original celebration of Samhain has got a lot of ceremony, a lot of custom, and even a lot of religious ties to those who are pagan or Wiccan. Now, to participate in it, you don't necessarily need to be a part of any one religion. Your religion could be anything, and you may still choose to honor the mark of the end of harvest. So this is just an opportunity for us to look at Some of the ancient origins of the word Samhain, summer's end, where it comes from, and maybe look at ways that it turns up in our life or maybe ways that we want more of it to turn up in in our lives. One of my favorite things about this particular time of year is that it encourages us to look at death from a different perspective it asks us to slow down and it asks us to celebrate our ancestry. Without our ancestry, we wouldn't be here. It's because of them that we are here today. And so it's an opportunity to pause and give thanks, but also to reflect on where we've come from. It's an amazing opportunity when we reflect on where we've come from to almost look at what We have learned from our ancestors, there could be great things that we want to hold on tight to but pause to reflect on them. Or maybe there's aspects that we've outgrown or we've managed to shift patterns that we've managed to break and so this slowdown to honor them is an opportunity to also honor ourselves and the own growth and death that happens within us. The other thing I love about this idea of death is it's not final so when we look at the sort of pagan view on death they see it as a continuous wheel and that a physical death is is almost a spiritual evolution it's this new adventure or you could see it as a rite of passage to a whole other realm and they see it as continuous so that takes away that um or it doesn't necessarily take away but it helps us maybe look at death as being less final and being more of a continuation. And one of my other uh, mentors, Starhawk, she likes to point out that if we look at death from a forest floor perspective or through a permaculture lens, we realize that death and decay are actually fertility. And isn't that a powerful thought? Because we cannot have new growth in the forest if we don't keep replenishing the soil. And the only way for the soil to be replenished is through decomposition. So it takes the dying of leaves, the dying of trees, um, the breaking down of animals, uh, bacterias, fungi, all of those things interacting for that death to take us to another opportunity of growth. And so that is some of the aspects of this particular time of year that I really love to hone in on and and get get close up to and to celebrate. There's a lot of folklore around this time of year, and you might see that come through in the form of the five pointed star I actually am wearing mine today. And some people associate this with witchcraft or uh, with the pagans. And some people see it as the sacred geometry within an apple. So the idea is that the five points represent one of the four elements, earth, air, fire, and water. And the fifth element is self or spirit. There is, if you take an apple and you cut into it and you look within, you'll see a five pointed star. Prior to Christianity, apples were not seen as a sign of the devil or a sign of harm or anything negative. In fact, they were seen as wisdom and and a symbol of the divine feminine and the beauty within all and also as a sign of full health and protection. So, it's interesting to sort of see where the different traditions come in and have changed the way we sort of view things. And we might want to hang on to certain aspects of one belief, but we might want to open up to the magic that's in something else. And that's sort of the idea behind trick or treat. You know, when someone is trick or treating, what is it to you? Is it a trick or is it a treat? And interestingly enough, that that concept of trick-or-treating possibly goes back to um, a couple of ancient traditions of mumming or souling. Because Sawen is actually a, um, almost a week-long period of time that is celebrated, the festivities typically would be at their peak or, or kick off as close to the full moon or the new moon as possible. And they would be celebrated for quite a few days. And so it would incorporate the 31st, which would be Halloween, but it would also incorporate all souls day, all saints day, and the day of the dead. Again, the theme of death and ancestry all coming through. And so souling was this idea of going door to door and actually offering up prayers to those who have been departed. So that brings us to this idea of, well, what were they carrying? Were they carrying lights? Were they carrying jack-o'-lanterns? And in and in history, pumpkins actually didn't grow in those Celtic areas where much of paganism and druidry originates from. They would have had turnips, however. So there is some speculation um, through historical findings of decorated vegetables that it could have been a turnip that was um, used to carry a light. But really the jack-o'-lantern comes back to a story. And before we had a lot of writing, stories are how we used oral stories is how we used Uh, teaching is how we actually taught, especially carrying on teaching traditions. And the story of Jack of the Lantern was a story of um, cautionary tale. It was um, be careful what you do and how you live your life and a telling of living um, your life in soulful alignment, or you could end up wandering in between worlds where someone kicks an ember over to Jack so that he no longer has to be wandering completely in the dark. And on Halloween, he comes down to see if someone will take his place so he can pick either the living world or the underworld, but not be caught in between. So it was a tale of uh, try to be careful how you live your life and be careful who you enter into bargaining with. And that was an oral story, an oral tradition that has continued on. Some of the other things that we see surface around Halloween are spiders and the ancient tradition of um, spiders weaving magic. And in fact, a spider web or a cobweb um, is known to actually stop bleeding. And so it was often um, cobwebs were often stuffed actually into open wounds to help stop bleeding. And That then got associated with those who were in the healing arts or worked with herbs, which were then labeled witches. And so it's important that we recognize that witches were predominantly women, and they were predominantly women who were very loud, who were or who were very skilled in some way, shape or form, and many of them very skilled at working with the earth. And so because of that, they were feared, because they were so talented at what they did. There's a lot of of mystery surrounding it, and there's a lot of mystery surrounding all of this particular time of year, and that mystery is what inspires us and it's where we see black cats and ravens and owls and bats come forward and most of those animals are associated with accessing the other realms or accessing um, the underworld. And that's terrifying to a lot of people which creates the mystery, but it's also the place of prophecy and clairvoyance and clairaudience. So many, many, many celebrations come forward to honor the mystery. And some of them are um, ideas of protection like hanging an owl feather from your door as a sign of protection from ill will or ill omen um, or even ill health. And you could also work with mugwort to help in the dream state or to act as a protection around your home and keep evil spirits out. All kinds of ritual comes forward as we celebrate and lean into this mystery of what is this particular time of year it's interesting because it's really designed to mark this midpoint between what was the fall or autumn equinox and winter solstice. And that's where the um, candles come in. And this is where the fire comes in. Because the days are shortening, this is when we start bringing in uh, fires or celebratory fires. And especially in the ancient days where they would have Uh, like major fires and gatherings around them was to sort of plead with the sun not to completely disappear because as you look around you see the earth going to sleep and as the earth is going to sleep, we start to see the darkness emerge and more darkness and less light more shadows are cast by the sun and the sun doesn't raise as high uh, the days feel super short and super dark and there's not a lot of signs of life out there and so we celebrate in ritual with meals to mark this time of year with a lot of the last things that are coming off the field things like ashberry. Or, sorry, mountain ash, or also called rowanberry, or we could celebrate with autumn olive or buffalo berry, pomegranates if you were in that climate, any of the squashes or root vegetables, apples, acorns, leaves, all of these things that mark that summer has ended and we're pretty well done bringing everything in off the field. Summer is done and we're moving towards where the earth is now going to look like it's completely asleep. And this going to sleep of the earth is where the idea of the veil comes from so you can think of the veil as a place that separates us in our physical heavy dense sort of beingness from those higher dimensional beings or those other worlds upper middle and lower and it's really this place where our sort of our physical form meets spirit Or the seen meets unseen or the known meets the unknown. That's the way Tess Whitehurst explains it. And I like that explanation because it's sort of this idea of where opposites sort of kind of come together. And that's where true mystery lies. There's so much mystery in this place where solid meets Spirit, you know where ethereal exists this and we're coming to it in our physical denseness exploring it and it's this idea of mystery and that's heavily tied into the dark whenever we associate the dark we start thinking of mystery because we can't really understand it or it's not something we can see so perfectly with our eyes and so it creates and conjures up mystery and when we think about it that mystery that not being able to see in the dark is also where we Start to sort of have disillusionment, and where we start to think that we're separate from all those other worlds. And as the days get shorter, we start to see the world almost dying, and it basically causes the world between worlds to fall away. Did you hear that word in there? Fall. The veil begins to part or fall away at the point where life the life of summer and the ending of life, death, summer's end, intersect. And isn't that just an incredible way to think about the veil sort of of coming away or falling apart? And that's why we often refer to uh, this particular time of year or this particular season as the veil getting thin. And it happens every time we intersect like this with life and death. And that means it happens in the opposite seasons as well, where those two now come at us from an opposite, where we're leaving death behind and returning um, to full-blown um, production, and <laughs> production energy. And when we think about this veil falling away, if we think about it in the terms of seasons, it, it takes away the fear. Not many of us are really terrified of autumn. Um, we're not super terrified of winter, and so if we start, you know, anchoring ourselves into how natural of a proge- of a of how natural of a progression sorry, it is to slide into winter, then maybe we can evaluate our views with the spirit world or our own views with death in that same exploratory way where we're no longer as frightened and in fact embracing so for the winter we would go and we would be ready to put on our extra woolen layers and um again our snow pants and start thinking about the things we can do in winter perhaps just the fact that we can go to bed early because it's dark and we can slow right down because there's not as much to do um or snuggling up to fires things like that and we could look at the spiritual realm in that same light we could look at the thinning of the veil is an opportunity to cozy up with our ancestry, as an opportunity to slide into ritual, to um, embrace a little more candles in our home, and, and these opportunities that arise when we start looking at the point of intersection as a fun mystery to explore. So those are all just possibilities. But as I thought about this idea of well are we afraid of winter no but we are terrified of death okay maybe you're not terrified of death shouldn't generalize you and put you in a box but our society has been really programmed through hollywood especially to be terrified of death and it's funny it's you know, whenever science can't prove something because it doesn't fit the scientific model of, you know, being able to replicate its results, um, it then creates skepticism and in some cases fear because we can't wrap our minds in a linear way around that. And I feel like that's the spirit world. We can't wrap our minds around clairvoyance or clairaudience in a scientific way. And Hollywood then kind of sneaks on in there to that skepticism and can blow it up into these um, amazing stories and visualizations that can totally terrify us. And when I like get into a place of fear, I want to explore it um, because I am a super curious being and explore, well, what is this fear all about and where can it take me and where does fear land in my body and in my body, fear lands in the root. Chakra, which is energetically located at the base of your tailbone and is symbolized by the color red. Hmm, Are you noticing anything here? I thought it would be really interesting to sort of look at some of the different seasons and or where they land in our chakra system. And so if you're not familiar with the chakra system, it's this energetic system that you can use as a compass or a map around your body. And we have many of these energy points within our our bodies. However, we usually focus on seven and they start at the tip of the tailbone and they work their way up to the crown of the head and they all correspond with certain emotions with um certain learnings, certain physical body parts that they're sort of connected to and it sort of helps us so for example the root chakra is connected to the base of the tailbone it's also connected to our legs and our feet and it's, it's that whole sort of area and when i think about fear the root chakra is completely about learning safety and it's also about our foundation. So um, it actually, Mulagara is the name of the root chakra, and that actually means foundation. And so then I got thinking about this a little bit deeper, and I went, okay, so the red apple, the five-pointed star, this um, earthly connection to the four elements, the element representing the root chakra, earth, earth element. And I was like, okay. And then that red, that wisdom, that foundation all tying into the root chakra. And it started sort of connecting to me. Well, if we're thinking about foundations, where better to start than with our ancestry? They are are they are they kind of our foundation because again, without them, we wouldn't even exist. And so I looked to another mentor, Carolyn Mace and she explains that the root chakra is our connection to tribal energy. So tribe could mean our immediate family, but it can also represent our connection to all humanity. And ultimately our learning through the root chakra is to see through our family, how we are connected to all of humanity. And that is some, it can be a lifelong lesson or the way I like to say it, it's a practice. The root chakra is the closest connection to the earth we have when we're seated, especially because it's both the bottom, you know, it it governs our feet and it's right at our tip of our tailbone which is where when we sit we're super connected to the earth which again sort of kind of connected me into this idea of foundation when we look at our root chakra we start exploring our sense of belonging we also are really exploring our safety and we're looking at that through the lens of our relationship to power um, our lens of how can we provide for ourselves within our tribe without of our tribe who are we um, what's our you know what's our what's our sense of belonging what are our necessities and how do we make sure that we feel safe both to ourselves and within a group and that's fascinating Fascinating to me that when we think about the time of year that we're in and we think about the Festival of Summer's End, we're exploring our ancestry and we're exploring them through the thinning of the veil where we are reminded that we are all connected, where we're reminded that we might think that we're completely separate, but at these points of intersection, we realize that we are all energy and we are all interconnected and there are opportunities to explore our fear of that interconnection connectedness or our fear around who we're related to or what our ancestry is or who we're going to become or how we stay safe as a whole, we can explore all of that through the lens of the root chakra and our grounding and our connection to the earth. And so if we pause to celebrate this turning of the wheel, this Samhain time of year, and we reflect on our relationship with power and safety and connection, we can actually ground ourselves in this connection to the earth and perhaps shift out of fear, like we're not afraid of winter, shift into a place of love or acceptance or knowingness or appreciation of the change in seasons as much as we can with our ancestry. If we do that, it, it changes perhaps how we spend our time at this time of year. And we might want to do this in ways of meditation, we might want to actually specifically carve out time and create a safe circle around ourselves. And then maybe even just get out a journal or go through old photographs of our great grandparents, if we have them or read stories of a region we know our grandparents are from, and then sit there with our journal and just ask for messages to come through. And no matter what it is, even if it doesn't make sense there, then in the moment, just give thanks for the information and hold on to it and see where it takes us. We can have dinner and this is one of my favorite things to do to have dinner and actually leave a place for all of the family that have uh, departed to the other side it's a opportunity for me instead of to just grieve that they aren't there to actually honor them and welcome them back by uh, actually setting a place setting for them at the table and i usually just set one place because i believe once they're in their energetic form they can all share that one place so I don't worry about getting a huge table and setting a whole bunch of place settings for all the loss uh, of life within my family or even all the extent of my ancestors. But I do take time to sit and welcome them all in. And that's how I feel that connection to them. And it brings me hope and it keeps me rooted in my love of humanity, but also the, um, the mystery of humanity and that there is so much going on that's bigger than us. So... when I pause, and I think this is the key part about why I so deeply need to connect into the seasons is because each season offers something different. And this particular time of year is a real slowdown because this is the harvest festival where I really am done. I really actually have got everything in that I can use now. Um, You know, maybe there's a few kitchen herbs that I could go out and cut, but the majority is really, really, really done. And when I slow down with that, it gives me a chance to just reflect on who I am and then I can really reflect on where I have come from, what no longer serves me, what amazing aspects of my family, strength, determination. Um, I come from a generation of uh, peacekeepers, of um Misrepresented um, individuals who were tried for treason uh, because they were trying to keep peace and protect um, mother earth I come from a courageous line of activists, Um, and I also come from a courageous line of of healers and. and powerful women who were very deeply connected to the earth. So there's aspects of my ancestry that I really wanna celebrate and ask for guidance to bring more of that here into the here and now. And if there's aspects within my lineage that don't serve me anymore, then this is my time to just let them go. And so for me, this particular time of year is about rooting into who I am at the foundation my connection to what created me and how I ended up here and it's a reminder to explore the safety that is within me because if I can access my ancestry well then I have access to everything I ever need because they have so much wisdom that they can bring through me that I can remember that I don't need to fear death and dying and I don't need to fear the earth going to sleep that I'm always going to have what I need provided for me and when I settle into that I can find balance and harmony in my root chakra and I can feel that stability of my own foundation and feel the reflection of my own family teaching me how beautifully interconnected I am to so many things much bigger than all of us and I can especially then settle into the power of the root chakra and its ability to connect me to the earth which is why I celebrate the earth chakra of the earth chakra, the root chakra and the earth element of the root chakra and deeply long for these particular ceremonial days so that I can be one with the rhythms and keep growing in that ever-changing wheel of death, birth and rebirth. And so the questions for you is what parts of you are you willing or noticing dying or falling away? What parts of you need to die away for there to be more growth? And what can you lean into if you explore these ideas of a constant rebirthing so that even within your own lifetime, where can you see where death and rebirth have constantly shown up? And perhaps it's on a yearly basis. Maybe it's just a major life event you can look at, or maybe like me, it's every time the seasons change. I'd love to know how all of this lands for you. You can always reach out to me in any of my channels to have soulful conversations on topics just like this. I'm going to get myself all cozied up with a blanket now and lean into my candle, my salute to the sun saying, hey, don't go all the way away. Pretty please? Happy Sálin, Blessed be. Thank you for listening to the Naturally Curious Podcast with Tani Stowe. Be sure to tune in again to be inspired and nurture your curiosity. You can follow Tani in her online yoga and meditation membership and on social media at Tani Stowe Healing From Within.